intentionally don't use the word history. His story. It's it's a matter, especially as a person of color, the way in which I've been empowered by learning my story, learning our story. Welcome back. This is your host, Heather. Diversity on Fire is on a mission to inspire new thoughts and dialogue by sharing our open conversations on all types of diversity-related topics. Joining the conversation today is Kashif Wizard. Kashif is the National Director of Tech for Dream.org, a certified personal trainer, and has been working to enhance the efforts of diversity and inclusion within organizations for the past several years. Welcome to the show, Kashif. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to dig in. And I always like to kick off the show by having our guests share a little bit about themselves personally. I feel like this gives us a foundation of understanding kind of who you are, where you came from. So if you would share, maybe start with like your, what I call your origin story. So life growing up, family dynamics, religion, cultural, things like that. And then any life events that you feel have shaped you as a person. Yeah. Um, well, for one, right, journeys aren't linear. And um, I'm certainly the sum of my experiences, as we all are, S-U-M. And I'll start with where I was born and raised. I am the first of four children born to parents of Caribbean descent. I was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, I think outsiders from the New England area, or maybe even Massachusetts specifically, probably don't realize the systemic challenges uh, for that inner city, uh, but I, I lived it. And I attribute the alignment of my career, my purpose, to educational interventions that my parents made early. Um, I am literally a child of the busing riots. So if you think about it, uh, in the 60s, 70s, there were riots that happened in Boston when they desegregated the schools, when they started busing kids from Dorchester, Roxbury, into South Boston, into better educational situation circumstances. And riots and uprising and all the above happened because of that then. But a program was birthed out of that movement called the METCO program. And fast forward nearly 20 years, 15, 20 years later, I started I entered that program when I was about seven years old. So it got me out of the challenge community that I was in, but I went to school about an hour away and was one of 10, 15 black kids in a mostly white school. But in that moment, just like that, I had exposure and access to educational resources that I wouldn't have had. So I do attribute the alignment again of my purpose, my career, to that intervention. Um, and it was the dichotomy between the world I grew up in, what I saw every day back at home in the community that I lived in, versus where I went to school. And I think organically that planted seeds. Um, I'm, I've always been a how, why person um, and had a lot of questions. And fortunately, I'm solution oriented and didn't realize that a purpose was being cultivated in me that young. But certainly a seed was planted as I had lots of questions as to why my experience was different from those in the community that I lived in. So fast forward, you know, I moved to Georgia, 
So I had that early experience from seven to about 15, 16 years old. Then I moved to Georgia um, and Metro Atlanta is a totally different environment, whereas Boston is top five for highest disparity and uh, highest wealth disparity between uh, people of color and, and, and white people, black and white people specifically. Then you move to, I moved to Georgia in which all of a sudden I experienced and saw black ownership, black wealth. It was just a totally different environment. And fortunately, I graduated high school and went to Georgia, smack in the middle of Atlanta, Georgia State University specifically. And um, all of a sudden, I'm in a minority serving institution. You know, even though it's a PWI, meaning not an HBCU, it graduates the most black people of any college in the country, HBCU or otherwise. So all of a sudden, I'm having a, a different experience, right? And um all of a sudden, I'm being, I would say, more so empowered by my surrounding and by those experiences. And then I acquired a job graduating college in Big Tobacco, and they moved me to a very small town in Louisiana, Monroe, Louisiana specifically. And all of a sudden, I'm working in an industry that doesn't necessarily align with me personally, as now I'm also a health and wellness professional, but Health and wellness has always been a calling of sorts for me. And now I'm selling big tobacco and I'm managing a geography and uh, working on behalf of a tobacco industry that frankly impacts my community neg negatively. So I was wrestling with that for years while simultaneously building and sharpening professional skill sets, skill sets that ultimately were transferable. You know, um, I could... Uh, articulate the value proposition, get to that value proposition and create mutually beneficial partnerships. And like, I got really good at these skill sets that are transferable. And during that time period, just really wrestled with the fact of what I was doing and it not aligning with my soul, my purpose, and how, how do I get out of this industry? How can I use these skill sets for good? And I think I genuinely manifest, manifested an opportunity. Um, I got a call seven, five to seven years down the line, uh, and a door opened up in a nonprofit space and it aligned directly with my skill sets. And I was able to get back to Atlanta and shift into the nonprofit sector and use those skill sets to ultimately sell programming, uh, membership, I'd just say programming that helped Fortune 500 companies attain their DEI goals. So articulating the value proposition of these programs, working with them, partnering with them to build plans, to attract diverse talent, retain diverse talent, all of a sudden I'm in that space with those same skill sets. And later on, it opened some doors specifically into tech. So long way to go about saying, again, I am the literal sum of my experiences. And I think seeds were planted in me early as through that educational intervention, I acquired exposure, exposure that enabled me to dream beyond the circumstances that I lived in. Through that busing program, I acquired access to educational, resor educational resources. I could build on my dreams, right? The exposure enabled me to dream. I had access to build on those dreams through the program that I was in. 
I had space to fail, fail forward, and eventually lead. As a young Black man and throughout my development, I had affirmation along the way to believe in myself. So um, short, longer story. There is so much to this that I, there's so many things that you said. I want to, I want to um, highlight a couple things and just dig a little deeper. So first, and I'm asking you this because it's, it is something that I've heard from other either um, first generation or immigrant families. So I'm curious if you personally have noticed any differences between, you know, broadly, obviously your experiences are different, but broadly, any differences in experience for you as a first generation American with roots in the Caribbean versus maybe friends or people that you know who have a long ancestral history in the U.S.? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, my parents got it out the mud, you know, um, they came here and, and two things were instilled in me early. And that was getting education, having insatiable curiosity, like a growth mindset, get better, be smarter every day. And the second thing was look good while doing it. And I'll tell you why on, on that front, um, because and especially with my mother, but also this mindset is prevalent on my dad's side as well. Being an immigrant from Haiti, right, and especially in even in our community, and there's layers as to why, even in my community, growing up, Haitians were the, the butt of most jokes in the Caribbean diaspora, unfortunately, right? And that's due to a lack of knowledge about self. Um, it's, there's, there's just, it's so much, so many layers to the why in that regards, right? Why, unfortunately, there's some self opposite of love, right? I'm not going to use the word hate, but you know, that's, that's, that's indoctrinated. I'm just going to put it that way. Right. So, um, being the butt of many jokes and having little, like to having very little growing up as my mother became an adult, she made sure that I would never be judged by, based on how I looked and how I showed up. Right. Frankly, me and my peers uh, my my brothers and sisters, and I didn't realize it, but you know the act. What, what they call it superlatives. We always got best dressed, and all of those, you know. But that was by design. My mother made sure. My parents made sure. Again, in any space that I stepped in, I'd never be judged for how I looked. So going back to those two things that that were instilled in me very early, and I say this now, my brother has a career in fashion. And is a creative, and all of that again is because of how we were raised. And fortunately, that aligned with his passions and his skill sets. Um, but my parents instilled the value of education and that growth mindset. And again, putting your best foot forward and creating great first impressions through our image. You know what is so funny? The second you said "look good while doing it," I'm like, he's from Haiti. I have a lot of Haitian friends and hey. it's, it's a thing. I mean, you're, it's, oh. it's a thing. Um, and I don't mean that to be derogatory at all. I was just, it's yeah. just my experience with all my friends are always like dressed to the nines. Always. Hey. I'm like, man, where are we going? Nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that, that's their pride. Again, yeah. there's a why, there's a why there. 
Yeah. Um, I think if everybody just takes that moment, right, and pause before we react, before we assume mm -hmm. and just consider a person's lived experience, mm -hmm. that's going to tell you, that's going to give you the why, yeah. you know, that's all the context you need right there. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that you mentioned at the beginning that I, I want to pause on is the going outside of your community for the educational experience. It's something that particularly recently went with the new Supreme Court ruling. Um, when I think about that, I think it's amazing that you have that opportunity. I also feel like it's very frustrating for me to think about that, number one, you had to leave your community to get that. Because what does that say to a young person when you can't get what you need in a community, in your own community, you have to go elsewhere and where you go, where you go to get that, the people there don't look as much like you. What does that tell to a young person? And then you have to come home to your community again. It's very, it's a very frustrating dynamic um, that I think a lot of people have to experience. And then not everyone has access to experience that, right? So mm -hmm. when I was looking at dream.org, it looks like the organization is making efforts, uh, not only in education and, and with young people, but to create solutions. Would you share a little bit more about the organization with us and how you think that might be trying to bridge gaps in, in the experiences that you had? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'll say this for one to start. Dream.org, our mission is, overall mission is to close prison doors, open doors of opportunity. and Ultimately, what Dream.org believes in is a world beyond poverty, pollution, prison, and polarization. We bring people together across racial, social, and partisan lines to create future with freedom, dignity, and opportunity. We've used the word access, opportunity for all. Uh, we have three programs. We have a justice program focused on criminal justice reform. And lead the largest national network of system impacted leaders, um, people that have been incarcerated, um, and they advance bipartisan policy reform and um, have had major wins as big as the First Step Act, which is responsible for having over 20,000 people home early. Our second of three programs is Green for All, which Green for All works for cleaner air water, affordable energy, and good jobs for all. We're in a critical time period right now in which there's an entire new economy being stood up. And it's being stood up out of dire need because of where this world is from a climate perspective, right? And the United States has risen, raised their hand and said, that they're going to drive down carbon emission to zero, essentially, by 2050. And there was a historic investment authorized uh, just last year or so via the IRA, the Inflation, Reductive, the Inflation Reduction Act, which authorized $369 billion. Sounds like a ton of money, but our organization is ensuring that that money trickles down and gets to the communities that need it most, right? Um, we've actually helped shape policy, helped shape a tool that 
indicates what communities need the finance, need the transformation most. Uh, communities of color are most impacted by pollution, yet they consume and use the least amount of energy. You know, that's just the way it is. So now as all that money's been authorized and uh, it's supposed to go to the communities that need it most, we're also here as an organization to ensure that 40% of that money go to those communities and prioritize black, brown leaders, companies with the skills and capabilities to transform communities. Because we believe that you need to have talent with lived experience driving empowered, contracted to shift communities forward equitably. Like equity requires people with lived solution or lived experiences at the table creating solutions. Right. So Green for All is doing all the work there and I lead our tech program, which is a program, an implementer of sorts. We're leveraging all the genius from these black and brown communities. We're ensuring that they have resources to upskill and we're ensuring that we build in a network capable of winning awards and leading these transformations forward. So that's what dream.org does. And when, when talking about access and opportunity, you know, there is no justice. And again, our two social issue areas are climate justice and criminal justice reform. There is no justice without opportunity. So at the end of the day, doing all the legislative advocacy, that's great. We have tremendous wins there because that's a key to systemic change. But there has to be, we ensure that black and brown talent and communities are able to reap the benefits, reap the economic benefits and economic opportunities of these policies, these transformations and so forth. So where where is the organization based out of and or where can the programs be found and who can participate? Yeah, so we are a national organization based out of Oakland, California, uh, and really accessible. We pride ourselves on lowering barriers to access. For example, as a leader of our tech program and the resources that are being deployed, for example, we're ensuring that 20% of the resources that go out the door, i.e. our scholarship fund, go to justice-impacted Black and brown folk, right? Um, uh, we're ensuring that communities are being prioritized, aligned with the Justice 40 tool and the communities that have been identified as most impacted by pollution. We're ensuring that we foster relationships on, on those grounds and ensure that you know, talent in those communities have access. But ultimately, this is a national program and uh, we really are doing the work to lower barriers to access. If you have the aptitude, I would say, right, to learn, and that's a critical word, right? It's not about where you've gone to school. It's not about what work experience you've had. It's do you have a growth mindset? Do you want to be better than you are today, tomorrow? And then do you have a community or altruistic mindset, meaning you put community first, right? And you want to be a solution, a bridge for the community that you live in or communities that 
are inclusive of people that look like yourself, right? If you have a community mindset um, and if you're mission aligned, we're looking to empower and work with you. We're a network, an organization that, you know, you should be a part of, a network that you should be a part of. So something that I've seen you talk about um, or seen that you have talked about is this idea of building empathy. So when we're talking about communities that are underserved, that are underrepresented, that might have less access, have more barriers, all the things, right? How can we help build empathy within out communities that are outside so that we can support, right? So we can have more of a coming together. Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, critical that, you know, whatever your solution is, whatever, whatever the, whatever the work is that you're doing, right? It's critical that you create space for people with lived experience to be at the table, right? So that's step number one. Where the sum of our experiences, there's no way that even if you have a great idea, you have resources, you have a solution, there's no way that you can ensure that that solution is truly of value or a value to commu those communities of color without their contribution, their buy-in, engagement on the front end. Like that's a way for you to ensure that you are providing a need, you are of value to that community to, right? And not to say we're a monolith and that one person, right? Honestly, it could take engagement with a good amount of people, but you at minimal need um, a person with lived experience at the table who could broker and, and, and help you cultivate stronger relationships in those communities, by the way, so that you can get all the feedback that you need. So that's number one. And as a result of working with that talent, you're ultimately going to cultivate trust, right? This is a word that frankly is not spoken about enough, especially in business settings, spoken more about in personal settings, but there are business and or let's just say reach implications. I'll say reach business and or reach outcome implications when you have low trust, right? If there's low trust, that's going to impact the speed of turnaround, um, how far and how fast, how wide your solution is able to travel. So to sum it up, it starts with creating space and ensuring that you're engaging talent with lived experience, bringing them in to the solution, um, creating space for them to contribute to that solution and ensure that you're providing value, solving a need. And then by default, you're going to cultivate, or you can, you have the potential to cultivate a high trust relationship. And I've said it several times, right? Um, empathy at the end of the day, pause, remind yourself that individuals are the sum of their experiences. You know, if, if it's so, it really starts with the mindset by you, right? You, uh, the owner, right? Um, it starts with your mindset and that's going to make it easier for you to create that space, get talent with lived experience at the table, uh, and, you know, build high trust relationships. 
So I love all of that. I feel like it sounds like great kind of solutions and ways for to forge connection. When I think about that, the people that have the right mindset, I feel it's easy to kind of push them in that direction, right? To help lead them to, okay, these are the next steps. What I'm looking for and what I'm looking at is the empathy part comes first. The empathy part is openness to understanding something that is completely different and trusting, like you just said, trust, but this is a different, this is different because this is the person that's not in that situation opening themselves up to trusting something that's not in their purview, right? Mm -hmm. Listen to the people that are telling the stories, trust that those people are telling the truth and empathize with them in order to bring yourself to the table, right? And I don't mean take up the whole table by no yeah. means, but I mean in, in terms of anybody that wants to do any sort of work, anybody that wants to help, they first have to care because if they don't care and they're doing the work, it's performative and we don't care about that. You know what I mean? That's right. not what we're going for. I generally mm -hmm. work on the premise that it's very hard to hate somebody, discriminate against somebody if you know their story. Yep. So the goal is to have conversations and immersion. Do you have any other thoughts on building empathy or do you really feel like that's the best way to do it is immersion and storytelling and sharing? That's, I mean, that's pretty much it. it. It's not rocket science. And I say this, like it even, we have to also realize we've been indoctrinated right into systems, into uh, beliefs, right? I don't intentionally don't use the word history, right? His story, right? It's it's a matter, especially as a person of color, the way in which I've been empowered by learning my story, learning our story. Um, I literally have a tattoo on my back that says our story, right? Um, just the uh, the way in which I've been, I've done the work um, and perpetually seek to learn more about myself. So I'm, I'm, I'm sharing that again, just to, I guess, illuminate the fact that we only, by default, we only know what we've been told, you know? Um, so it's so important to create space, learn of people's stories, their story. And as a human and as people with souls, right? Organically, you're going to start to have empathy for an experience that was not your own. So. Yeah, it's been a personal journey, certainly. Um, and, and again, just with that realization that we've been indoctrinated into systems and beliefs. So you 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 got to do some work to pull down some of those walls and create space uh, to, to grow, frankly. Right. I think that this box, um, these systems, some of these systems, some of these beliefs impede our ability to to grow and together we achieve more. Right. So um, by creating space, allowing people to be their authentic selves, because that's another thing, because of these systems. Because I was in corporate. And if this is a tangent, let me know. But um, I spoke of working in big tobacco for seven years. For the first six years, majority of my colleagues didn't know I had any tattoos. And my life story is on my body. That's I artic I I mm, what's the word? Um artistic expression. Yeah, this is a form of how I communicate. Yeah. You know, it's it you know, this is I again it was that that comes from mom, you know, like 
uh, how I show up, it's it's purposeful. Um, and my life story essentially is on my body. You know, empathy and a north star. That's my north star. That word right there is empathy here on my chest. You know, so it's my superpower. I say all that to say, me not being able to be my authentic self. Not only did I, not only was I not able in that time period able to optimize my experience there at that company, I shorted people who needed to experience me and experience as well. You know, like I shorted my white counterparts an opportunity uh, to grow, uh, to shift their mindsets during that time period of being inauthentic, you know? So that's that's how I look at it. And I realize that also now as I step into spaces, I got to be authentic because that's an opportunity for me to shift the room, right? Um, I know it's different over here in regards to myself, right? So um, I have an ability and an opportunity opportunity to shift rooms, shift mindsets just by being my authentic self. Oh, yes. I love that. And anytime you're ever quieting yourself or a part of yourself, I mean, obviously, listen, sometimes we have to do, I, I, I sometimes I swear like a sailor. Okay. I don't go into business meetings and do that. Right. But we, we navigate certain situations contextually, but if on a regular basis, you have to shut down a part of yourself in order to be accepted, man, that eats and eats and eats and eats away at you. And it's dangerous. And like you said, it's not, it's, it's not even just dangerous to you. It's, it's not good for the other person either because they're not experiencing the full you. They're not getting right. the opportunity to recognize you as a whole human person that P.S. doesn't fit their stereotypes, exactly. you know? And so, okay, I love that. I love all of that. I just say um, I, I'm thankful for that chapter in my life because I said from that point forward, once I got my opportunity to do work that aligned with me, aligned with me means mission aligned with the community, um, I was going to bring my whole self to that work. So I needed that experience. That's why I told my story from Boston to Atlanta Black affluence and wealth to a part of Mississippi where, you know, people that look like myself thought less of themselves. And it was an even, uh, mm, what's the word? You know, it was just like a taking a step back in time, you know, living in that portion of the country. And I needed that to realize, damn, I'm a leader, right? And if I don't show up as my authentic self, <laughs> you know, um, a lot of people will continue with the mindsets that they have here. So, you know, what's my role in this? And, you know, I found myself through that chapter. And I think that really even highlights this experience of that everybody, everybody can take from is you don't necessarily know until you have had that experience, right? You wouldn't yeah. have necessarily recognized it in the same way. And you may not have be in a place where you can appreciate where you are now had you not gone through that. So 100%. it's it is. It just goes back to that immersion thing. It goes back to just being a part of it and not just walking through it through it without recognition, but actually paying attention to the symptoms and realizing the parts that you have to course correct. Right. So that's awesome. You are the sum of your experiences. Pause. Is that on I your body smile. somewhere? It's gotta be. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I, surprisingly, it's not, but everyone close to me, I'm, you've heard me say it a bunch because it, 
it just makes you pause, right? It just makes you pause and think. And every space I'm in, I say it, right? Um, because I need people to think beyond their experiences and consider the walks of others, right? Um, and if someone has the aptitude at the end of the day, right, that mindset, that insatiable curiosity, they want to be better, they want their, they want to be a contributor to a better community, you should work with them. You should try to help them, period. Where you are and kind of your journey that you've been through and standing where you are now, you have kiddos, right? You have one? I have one son, yes. You have a family, right? When you think about this, what is your vision for the future? Um, what does it look like? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I'm just, I am, for one, I'm just very intentional with my son, with children, with the future, you know, knowing and realizing what the sum of our experiences. So um, I, there's a book series by Kobe Yamada, and shout out to uh, a former boss and leader I respect uh, who put this in my hands when my son was born. Fortunately, I've again been intentional with his, just a, the exposure he has to educational content and just the conversations I have with him, knowing he's a sponge, knowing, you know, he's at a very formative stage. He's six now. But through this book series, and just to give you insight to this young leader and you know, just where I am with young humans in the future period. When I ask him, so I ask him, what is it that you do when you have a problem? He says, you solve it. What is it that you do when you have a chance? You take it. And what is it that you do when you have an idea? He says, you change the world. And that and would help me, I don't want to use the word ingrained, but you know, it helped me uh, get my son to that point was that book series, you know? So, I understand and know that I have an opportunity to sow leadership and altruism and community and these attributes into my son now. You know, uh, I talk to him about a growth mindset and having a growth mindset, you know, because he's, he's smart, you know, he's, he's very smart. And, but I want him to know that you can get better every day. So, you know, you start this conversation around family. I'm just speaking about how I personally empower my son, exposure enabled me to dream. I had access to build on those dreams. I had space along the way to fail forward, space to lead eventually, and affirmation all along the way to believe, all along the way of my development to believe in myself. That's the approach I'm taking with my son. Um, and frankly, that's the approach I take with any programming. Like that's the way I look at programming, you know, um, how are we driving awareness, exposing people to information um, that may benefit them? How do we give them access? How do we give them space to be authentic, you know, trust us, all the above? And how do we affirm that they actually should and deserve and belong at this table? You know, like, so I bring that thinking forward into all the work. And it really started with the realization as to, with the realization that that's why I'm here, you know, um, that's how I got here. So let me build on that. I'm going to be very intentional moving forward because that equation works. You know, I just figured out the equation, put it into words. And now I leverage that in, in programming and um, any encounter experience that I have with my family, with community and 
uh, with, yeah, I just say with community, those that truly need to be empowered the most. I love those three words, and I'm definitely going to look up that book series because that sounds like a really, um, when I think about all the conversations I have are with adults, obviously, not putting kids on the air. But when I think about, and that's kind of my journey in terms of change and, and where I'm working, but when I think about it, I think about the youth and the impact and the things that they're dealing with now that didn't exist when I was younger and the pressures and the influence, there's just a lot. And I, I think that it's so important to kind of give them those tools and the resources that give them that idea that you, you can fail too. I think and I'm going to go on a tangent here, which I'm going to stop myself. Justice reform prison systems. Those are something that I'm very passionate about. And what really gets me very angry is this idea that once you make a mistake, you're you're condemned for life. So we're going to put you somewhere that's essentially a lawless environment for breaking a small infraction, and you're going to come out worse than you were. Okay, I'm stopping myself right now because I get real heated about this. Yeah. I always do final three final questions. So my first one is an action item that I ask the guest. So for you, what's something small that everyone listening can do today? And it's gonna. I'm asking a to engage with technology since you're kind of in that sphere for the good. How can we engage technology for the good in our own small way, in our own worlds? Well, I think it starts with just for one, realizing that technology supercharges any solution, right? So what's your solution? You know, what's your idea? So start with the solution, the idea, and I'm 100% confident that technology can supercharge that solution, meaning how fast, how far, how many, like scale in order, like, and that's down the line. There are steps to, you know, scaling a solution, obviously, but I think it just starts with the mindset that technology, that, that, that is like, we use technology to have fun and, you know, we work, you know, we use technology to communicate. We, we, we're using technology, but I think not realizing that this very, sector or corner of power because that's what it is this is now technology is power you know um so what everyone can do is think of ways to make the whether it's their community um whether it's communities that aren't yours but it starts with that idea and then consider how technology can supercharge that solution chat gp chat gpt come up with a solution and then go to uh <laughs> chat what is it? What's the website? AI generator. But go to chat GPT and say, how can I use technology to impact 100,000 minorities or, you know, however you want to frame it. But once you have the idea, literally ask chat GPT, chat GPT, how can I use technology to supercharge the solution? And P.S., that's using ch technology to supercharge the solution. I don't know how much you've played with this. I'm assuming probably at least some. <laughs> Whoa. Like, yeah. I, yeah. it's. I don't even want to say dangerous because I think, you know, I think it could be obviously, but I think it's just so cool and so much opportunity. All right. And then what are in your current phase of life, five words that you would use, doesn't have to be a sentence, just words to describe yourself. Present, mindful, balance, community, power. Love it. Okay. Where can we go to connect with you? Stay in touch, learn about what you've got going on. Yeah, I can be reached uh, by my full name on LinkedIn, Kashif 
Wizard. I can be reached on Instagram, Cash Wiz, K-A-S-H-W-Y-Z. And, you know, I can be reached through the channels at dream.org. So dream.org, the website. You can subscribe to our newsletters and information so that you have a direct line to alerts, resources, all the things that we put out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate your vulnerability in sharing your story. I think it's so important for people to be able to follow that journey and see something that they may not expect, but is really what it is, right? You're, you're, you don't fit all these stereotypes that people like to apply. You fit who you are. And when people share their stories, you allow us to actually see that whole person. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Vulnerability breeds trust. Mm. Right. That's that's a, another call to everyone. Right. Be more vulnerable. Mm. Um, you'll 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 cultivate higher trust relationships that way. Thank you so much for listening in today. I hope this episode helped you see a new perspective. I believe through conversations just like this, we can all set fire to our ignorance and rise from those ashes together as better humans. Don't forget the thoughts and opinions that we express today. They're our own. We encourage you to do your own research and come to your own conclusions. Connect with Diversity on Fire at Diversity on Fire on Instagram. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening now so you never miss an episode. Be sure to share this conversation so others can join as well. And until next time, don't forget to check your bias and keep the conversations going.